Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. I love this story. It's about a 10-year-old little girl. I always love these little kid stories, don't you all? Well, she went out with her family to check out the Christmas lights. Now, I don't know if you've ever done that. But this is a great time to just throw in here. If you're going to check out Christmas Lights Church, listen, you need to go to Rain Jerky's house because he does it for everybody. I mean, you just have to make one stop and you've got it covered. But anyway, they're driving around town. They're checking out the Christmas lights when they came to a particular church. And they got out of the car because this church always had the nativity set. And so they walked up to the nativity set just to look at how beautifully it had been done. Isn't that beautiful, Grandma says. The little girl said nothing. She just stood there, emotionless. Look at all the animals, Grandma said. Mary, Joseph, little baby Jesus. To which finally the little girl said, It's nice. Grandma was blown away. What do you mean, it's nice? Well, you see, Grandma, there's one thing that really bothers me. Don't miss this. Isn't baby Jesus ever going to grow up? Like, he's the same size every year. Now think about those words. See, I wonder if that's what the world would say about us when it comes to Christmas. Jesus never changes anything. He's always the same every year. See, church, throughout this series, there's a statement I'm going to make. And, and here it is. I think we know Christmas I have to wonder, do we really know Christ? Because everything seems to stay the same. You know, research tells us that when it comes to Christmas, four out of 10 people will go through Christmas always thinking about the past, what they've lost, regrets. Five out of 10 will go through Christmas thinking about the future, what could happen, what what could be tomorrow, always looking ahead. But only one out of ten, they tell us, will hit the pause button. They'll embrace the moment. They'll enjoy Christmas. You see, it's not that life's been easy for them or that there's things still to be done. They're just not going to miss what Christmas is all about. It's Christmas. You know, I've been thinking about the nativity set, and I want you to play with me just a little bit when it comes to Christmas, that maybe we have it all wrong. Now, I want you to think about it for a moment. Maybe you own a nativity set, okay? Maybe you've seen one, all right? But have you ever got up close and just looked at the nativity sets that we purchased or the ones we offer? Mary and Joseph always look so peaceful. <laughs> have you ever noticed that? Yeah. The shepherds, the magi, those kings, they always are so calm looking. And then there's little baby Jesus, okay? Never colicky. Okay? Never restless. Sleeps through the night. Okay, How many mommies want baby Jesus? Okay? You know what I'm talking about? Because when you step back, the nativity set seems to be so surreal. Like, how do we relate? Maybe that's the problem. And then you look at uh, the, the sheep and the donkeys. They always look so calm and content. <laughs> I mean, it's just so wrong. And then we add songs like this. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. 
or all is calm, all is bright, or the Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. I love the Lord Jesus. Well, who doesn't? But where's the real world? You know, the world we're living in with COVID, with racism, with all of the ugly going on. How do we relate? Maybe because we have the Christmas story all wrong. Maybe there's more to the Christmas story rather than us always romanticizing it, always over-spiritualizing it. And so, hence our new series called Vintage Christmas. If you understand what the real word vintage means, it means God's old-fashioned Christmas story. Maybe the real one. That's my hope in this series. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And as you're going there, I want you to ponder this question. Why did God choose Mary? Why would God choose Mary, a teenage, uneducated, not wealthy, little peasant Hebrew girl? Which, by the way, historians will tell us she was somewhere between the age of 13 and 16 years of age. Uh, let me say it again, because I don't think we realize it, because this is the problem, I think, when the nativity set. We over-spiritualize, we romanticize. But this is a real place in time. She is a Hebrew poor little girl. She has no educated because she's a Hebrew poor little girl. She's a teenager. And God went, I, I want her. Why would God choose Mary? Now, here's something I do know, and I don't want you to miss it. God is looking for people to use. In fact, I will say this. You will never know what it means to really live until you let God fully use your life. Hmm. Just so you don't miss this, I want to say it again. You will never know what it means to really live the way God wants you to live until you surrender everything and let God fully use your life. That's right. That's right. Why did God choose Mary? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered would soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would give sight to a blind man. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would calm a storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? And when you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God. 
Mary, did you know? I think the song is the key to why God chose Mary. She knew. Mary knew. And this might hurt, but when I look at the church today, do you know why God chooses so few and maybe why God doesn't choose you? You don't know. You know Christmas. You just don't know Christ. You know the story. You just don't know the Savior. You know Christmas. But do you know Christ? Mary knew. See, I believe that's why God chose her. Mary knew who this Jesus was. And she would live accordingly. I want to show you. If you got your Bibles, Luke chapter 1. And I'm going to begin in the 26th verse. Look what the scriptures say. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now watch this. And the angel of the Lord went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. One of the translations that I love is where it says, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You have found favor with God. Let me help you with that. If you read about Jesus, when Jesus was a young child and they took him to the temple and they had him, if you will, uh, circumcised and where he was consecrated and dedicated to God, the Bible says, and the, and, and the Lord was with him. But when you look about a few verses later, when he's 12 years old, and, and they find him teaching in the temple, the Bible says that Jesus obeyed everything that his mom and dad asked of him, and the favor of the Lord was upon him. What's going on in that moment is, is that in the early part, Jesus trusted God. In the latter verse, it's where God trusted Jesus. What's going on with Mary here is that God trusts Mary. This is not about Mary trusting God. This is about a young teenage girl who understood who Jesus was and that God is going to trust her. I say this all the time. I do not want to live a life where God, if you were, I trust God. I want to live a life that God trusts me. And this is what I want you to get out of this message. Why did God choose Mary? And here's the first part. God uses people who want to do God's will. Mary wanted to do God's will. And you know what I've discovered? Few people today want to. I'm sad to say that. See, what they want is for God to bless their will. See, I've come to believe that most people in God's church today, if they had to choose between what God wanted 
And what they wanted, they choose the latter. They want God to bless their lives in the direction they're going rather than live God's direction, which is already blessed. Mary, Mary could be used because Mary wanted to do God's will. See, Mary knew that God's will for her life was far greater than any of her own personal wants that she could ever imagine for her life. See, the question is, do you believe that? Or maybe better stated, do you want that? Do you really want God's will? No matter what that is, picture with me, an angel of the Lord shows up in her bedroom, you know, this little poor peasant Hebrew girl, and says, hi, (laughs) I'm Gabriel. It's good to meet you. Um, I'm from God. And, And I've got this incredible thing to tell you. God has this really awesome plan. He's going to come to earth because he wants you and everybody else to understand who he really is and what he's like. Now, pretty cool, right? But here's the deal, Mary. For him to do this, he needs to use your body. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. This is a real moment in time. This is a little teenage girl. I'm sure she had plans of one day having a wedding, right? And, and she's going to be married and she's going to have a family and it's going to just be an awesome little Hebrew life, okay? And in one moment of time, I don't think this is a home alone moment where Mary goes, ah, okay? Because I want you to look what the Bible says. Watch how Mary responds, this little teenage, little peasant Hebrew girl. Look at verses 46 and 48. My soul praises the Lord. My heart rejoices in God, my Savior. Notice, who's her Savior? She knew. Mary, did you know? Yeah, she knew. Because he has shown his concern for his humbled servant girl. Now watch this. Here's what it means to do God's will. Don't miss this. All right? If God asks, I will obey. If God leads, I will follow. That's what it means to do God's will. It's not in what you do. It's in how you choose to respond in what he asks. That's what the prophet said, Micah 6. I desire obedience, not sacrifice. This is an amazing moment. If you like to circle words, circle the word praises and circle the word rejoices. My soul praises, she says. My heart rejoices. This is big. Mary's excited. What God just asked, my soul praises the Lord. My heart rejoices. This isn't a matter of acceptance. This isn't a matter of endurance. This is a matter of eagerness. She's excited about this. She's like a child in the playground. Pick me. Pick me. But then the Bible says she's also humbled. She's not just excited, she's humbled. He has shown concern for his humbled servant girl. Let me just say this. None of us deserve to be used by God. None of us deserve to be used by God. Yet the Bible says he wants to use us. I mean, have you ever realized you're a trophy of God's grace? It's by grace we're saved, but we're created to what? To do good works. 
I love this. You and I should be thinking it's an honor. We should consider an honor that God wants to use us, whatever it is. Who cares what it is? She's excited. She's humbled. God uses people who decide to do God's will. Mary knew. She decided. How about you? What's going through your mind? For me, I think of the, the phrase that when you know that you know that you know, kind of thing. You know, it really strikes me when you look at verses 46 uh, to 55. I mean, it just pours out of her. It's not a, now, who's this again? And, and what, what's this about again? I mean, she says right there, she says, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. I mean, she is, she's already had that personal relationship. She knew there's no uncertainty at all. Now, obviously, the angel coming, okay, there's a little stun maybe their moment because when you see the angel, but there's no un- doubt at all, no uncertainty in any aspect. She has had a relationship with God. It's active. It's vibrant. It's there, and like I said, just pours out of her. And we see that. We see that from verse 30. Mary, you have found favor with God. We know she's obedient. We know, first and foremost, she has a relationship. She loves him. She's obedient. All this stuff is just a natural flow from her. When that moment comes and she's asked, it's, it's, it's a reflection of her relationship. She's daily living for God and fully surrendered every day, like you said, and willing to do whatever. And I think it's so easy to get caught up in, you know, if, if you want to do God's will or God to use you or whatever, thinking that it has to be some big thing, you know. Well, I'm not doing anything big. But God, want, God just wants to use her body, like you said. And it doesn't always, it's not always what we think of as a big thing. It might just be talking to one person and it might make a big difference in their life. My idea of a big thing is not always the same as God's idea of a big thing. Be faithful every day and spending time with Him and that close relationship that you can tell she had with the Lord. That's what makes a big difference. It's like that statement, you can only perform at your highest level of preparation. And it's amazing the things that God uses as preparation that we don't think are preparation. You know, we like to think of these big things, and it's not. A lot of times it's the little stuff that we're putting in that's actually preparing us for the big stuff God wants us to do. Like he says, if you're faithful in the small things, you can be faithful in the bigger things. Yeah. We know Christmas. Mary knew Christ, which, by the way, is Christmas, right? So God uses people who decide to do his will. Mary decided. But here's number two. God uses people who are willing to pay the cost. Now, I want you to add whatever the cost. God uses people who are willing to pay the cost because there's always a cost to following Christ. There's always a cost. Watch this. Look at verse 38. Mary said... I am the Lord's servant, now watch, and I am willing to do whatever he wants. Why? Because his will is always bigger than my wants. Whatever God wants. Do you know what the word uh, whatever means? It means the preferred. It means the preferred. I will do whatever God wants because that's preferred. That's always my preference. I'm in. By the way, let me just say this. We never negotiate with God. 
If you think you get to negotiate, the moment you go there, the deal's off. We do not negotiate with God. All we do is obey God. But that's all determined if we know Christ rather than just Christmas. Now, did it cost her anything? I want you to write this down. It cost Mary her reputation. Oh, there were high cost. And I don't, I don't even think we realize. In fact, I'm going to say this, and this might sound pretty profound and pretty big, but I believe with all my heart. Nobody I've ever met has ever, if you will, faced more of a cost than what Mary faced in this moment of decision. And I want to show you that. She is a Hebrew female virgin. She is a teenager, a poor Hebrew female virgin. Now, you ready for this? She's engaged to be married that her mommy and daddy established, which is the way it was done. And now she's pregnant. She's going to have to explain this to Joseph. She's going to have to explain this to her mom and dad. She's going to have to explain it to his mom and dad. And somehow she's going to have to explain it in the entire village in which she's raised. And the law says, and she knows the law very clearly, what happens to an immoral girl. She's to die. The cost is huge. But I'm not just talking about the immediate. This one moment of time would change her entire life. See, today we deify Mary, partly because we know the rest of the story, right? But when we go back to this moment in time, she's going to explain to her, her, her husband-to-be and to her parents and his parents and to an entire city, I'm pregnant, I'm carrying God's child. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. Put yourself in Mary's shoes. But this wouldn't just be a moment of change. This would be a moment for a lifetime. And I want you to listen to this. In Mark 6, Jesus is out doing ministry. He's now in his 30s. Jesus is doing ministry. And here's what the Bible says. Isn't this the carpenter? Because that's what Jesus grew up being, right? But listen to the next statement. Isn't this the son of Mary? Now, maybe you don't understand the, 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 the unbelievable enormity of this statement. But back in Jesus' time, a son was always identified by his father. Right. It should have been, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this the son of Joseph? But they don't say that, which means they've never forgotten isn't this the son of that crazy lady, that immoral girl? This is Jesus, the illegitimate child. He's always identified to Mary, not Joseph. This would change her life forever. Mary would never, ever be, if you will, embraced by the normal Hebrew women. Probably why she was a friend to Mary Magdalene the converted prostitute. Jesus' mother was always in the ugly, the neglected. This would change her life forever. You think there's a high cost? But I don't want you to miss this. 
when you and I get serious about wanting God's will for our lives, there will always be people who will never understand you decisively. There will always be people who will label you unfairly. There will always be people who will criticize you continually. It cost her everything. But here's the second thing. It cost Mary her comfort. Not just her reputation, her character, but her comfort. Let me help you with it. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. We know this, right? But Mary's from Nazareth. And again, I remind you, she's a teenage, young, peasant, poor girl. In other words, after nine months of carrying this child, she has to make a long trek from Nazareth to Bethlehem on the back of a donkey to have her first child in a foreign city of which she's never been in a barn in the foreign city with no family and friends. And the moment that Jesus is born, she has to then move to a foreign country called Egypt for a couple years because the child's life is in danger. You think there's a cost? You got a young teenage girl that has a husband who I still wonder is believing the story and she's going to lose everything, the comforts and the convenience of home for the next several years of her life. You might want to write this down. Before Jesus ever suffered for Mary, Mary would suffer for Jesus. Mm -hmm. See, whatever God's will is for your life, it will always include problems, setbacks, and uncomfortable situations. Jesus would say this in Luke 14, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost? He goes on to say in likeness, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have for me cannot be my disciple. And I, I want you to listen to this. Before you and I can ever understand what it means that Jesus would suffer for us, I'm going to ask you this question. Are you willing to suffer for Jesus? Because if you can't, I don't think you really understand what he actually did for you on the cross. Mary knew. Mary knew. God uses people who are willing to pay the cost. What's going through your mind? When you're talking about Mary and everything that she's going through, like, I mean, I just had a baby 18 months ago. And so, like, the fact of what she went through out of her comfort zone, like, as a young girl, is just mind-blowing. And I think back then the tradition was, like, the women help women give birth. And she was by herself with her husband, who probably didn't know how to help deliver a baby. <laughs> and, like, the fact that she's doing it and risking everything, um, but, like, also, thinking about that is just amazing. But when you said that, that it changed her reputation and it put her maybe into friendships with people who also weren't loved, like how much did God have to know her heart though to say you're strong enough to take this on and then be able to reach those people at the same time? Like you're still loved by God, even though you've sinned. Like... She's been set up from the beginning just because of her love for the Lord. Sorry, it's bringing tears to my eyes because it's not something we would be thankful for, mm. but the impact she gets to have on not just the world, but just the people in her own life mm. or the ones that 
others don't want to be friends with. Beautiful. That's beautiful. God uses people who are willing to pay the cost. But here's the third and final. God uses people who wholeheartedly trust his promise. God uses people who wholeheartedly trust his promises. Look at verse 34. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born in you will be called the Son of God. Now watch this. For no promise from God will ever fail. Mm. Will ever fail. I love Mary's response. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Do you know what she's saying? Your word to me will be fulfilled because your promises never fail. So instead of worrying, Mary worships. Instead of panicking, she praises. See, here's the deal that I know. Anytime I am afraid, it's because I've forgotten God's promises. That's right. Anytime I am overwhelmed, it is because I'm overlooking one of God's guarantees. She didn't overlook. She didn't fear. For the Bible says what is impossible with us is possible with God. This is what Paul meant when he said, we can do all things through Christ. All things, everything, no matter what we face, greater is he that is in me than anything in the world. But it has to be through Christ. See, we may be ordinary, but in God and through God, it is then we become extraordinary. Even Elizabeth Mary's cousin got this. She says this in response to Mary. You are blessed. You ready? Because you believed. That's why you're blessed. You believed. God said it. I will. There's the will. I will do it. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what the world says. God's got it. Because he's got me. 2 Chronicles 16 says this, For the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth so that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. He's looking for those who will say, I, I want to I do God's will no matter what. I don't care the cost. I just trust God's promises. He's got it. That's what God's looking for. What's going through your mind? Trusting God's promises, it's about kind of like having that heart of gratitude. Um, because if you really do not have that heart of gratitude for all the things that God had done in the past, you actually aren't going to trust Him for the things that He's going to do. Um, this morning, I and my wife woke up and that's exactly what I have to continue to do. Because every time I pray... A lot of the time, 90% of the time, I'm thanking God. I'm thanking Him because that's just what my heart is led to do. It's just thank Him. Even for the things that I wanted to ask of Him, even for the things that I know that He has done, even for the things that I'm trusting Him to do, I just keep thanking Him. 
I don't come with that heart of trying to request for something. I rather come with that heart of thanksgiving, saying that you've done it before, you're doing it now, and I know you're gonna do it. And each time we look at our lives, we just, I had a meeting with Jonathan yes, um, last weekend. All we could just talk about was just God's faithfulness, just God's goodness, how faithful he has been and what we know that he's going to do consistently. Because when you're thankful for all the things that he has done, that builds a trust in you that he's able to do whatever it is that you're looking forward to. It seems so black and white. Um, it's not easy, but it seems black and white. We've all been given one life to live. And we can either live it for ourselves or for God. I mean, it's just, it's just simple. And it's really tempting to want to live for myself. You know, it's hard not to. We live in a world that, that wants, it's all about me. We live in that world. So it's really hard to be different, but, but God calls us to be different. I mean, pretty much everything He tells us to do is completely opposite of what the world says. So it's just a choice, and Mary made that choice. She made that choice to, okay, this is my life. I'm living it for the Lord. And as hard as it might be, I want to do the same. The two things that really strike me out of this for Mary is the fact that her belief was so strong that there was no negotiation. You mentioned the word negotiation. There was no question, there was no hesitation. Obedience was immediate. I mean, we live in a world of now everything's negotiation, like, okay, uh, okay, can you put that in writing, and how many days do I have to think about it, when do you need to know, and all those things. And Mary was just immediate kind of thing, and I think, man, times I wonder if when I, God puts something in front of me that I potentially negotiate, like I have something to negotiate with. I mean, my land, I have nothing to offer, you know, kind of thing. But then the fact that her belief was so strong, she knew what the situation was for a woman who was pregnant. Mm. She was old enough to know that. And she knew it was ahead of her. And still, immediate. I remember the phrase that people with such strong belief and conviction always expect to be believed, and when they're not, they let time prove them right. No one believed her throughout her whole life, except Jesus. No one else believed her until the resurrection. <laughs> then went, oh, you were right. <laughs> okay, but didn't matter didn't matter. Bang, immediate obedience. That's amazing. I think for me, the word trust is a bigger deal, I think, than we realize it is. Um, do we really trust God? Do I really trust God? Um, I had a conversation with someone a couple weeks ago, and it was actually on giving. And we backtracked and really looked at the whys and, you know, maybe why, why don't we give sometimes or, and, and it came, and with the word we came to was trust. And it was like, I don't think I really trust God. And uh, I think sometimes it's really easy for us to say, yes, I trust. You know, I trust you. 
you know, is my wife. I trust God. But I, I think that's, I, I think that's a, a big question we need to ask ourselves. Do we truly, truly trust God? Question to consider. God's will. Mary understood it. God's will, whatever the cost. I think in Mary's in heart and mind was, boy, these costs are really small in comparison. And then wholeheartedly trust. Chris, I believe you're right. Wholeheartedly to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That God cannot fail. His promises never return void. They always do what they were set out to accomplish. We have that promise in Isaiah. Mary got it. God, you said it. Whatever the cost, with eagerness, with joy. Talk about a picture of a mom. And wholeheartedly trust. See, I believe this with all my heart in pastoring this church for all these years, how many years I've stood up in front of so many of you. And I'm going to tell you what I see. I see so many people with enormous potential. I see people with enormous, incredible, eternal, spiritual potential. But you know what I also see? So few believe that. Week in and week out, a sermon gets preached. And I see people, they don't believe it. They just don't believe it. And so I have to ask where we began. When does Jesus finally get to grow up in you? You know, where he doesn't stay the same every year when it comes to Christmas. We know Christmas. Do we know Christ? When will the miracle of Christmas finally take root? And Jesus finally gets to grow up and become everything he wants to be in your life. When does the nativity finally change? That you realize he's not baby Jesus. He's the savior of the world. And he wants to change your life. Listen to the words. This is from a 14th century mystic. But listen to what he says. What good is it to me if Mary gave birth to the Son of God and I do not also give birth to the Son of God in my time, in my culture, and through my life. Let me say those again. What good is it to me if Mary gave birth to the Son of God? What good is it if Mary gave birth to the Savior of the world and I do not also give birth to that same Savior in my time, in my culture, and in my life, he goes on to say this, we were all meant to be the mother of God. We were all meant that God is always needing to be born within us. And that the world would know. Do you really want God's will? Do you really, whatever the cost so be it. Do we really wholeheartedly trust his promise? And that instead of knowing Christmas, we'll finally know Christ. 
What's going through your mind? That word trust just, it just keeps, it just keeps boiling in my heart. Like Chris asking that question, do we really trust God? Because we see it in our everyday life. We, we see it in the way we do things, the things we pursue, the things we long for, how we give, how we talk to people. And sometimes it's just amazing that when you look at those areas of your life critically, you find that, that you really don't trust God as much as you think you do. Um, you, you kind of like sometimes are quick to say, oh, I trust, I, like Chris said, I trust this person, I trust that person. I trust God, but how much do you trust God when you hold back when his spirit is telling you, give? Or how much do you really trust God when he's, he's leading you to speak to someone about him, but you make up all the excuses in the world to kind of like get out of speaking to that person? Or how much do you trust God when he's trying to use you but because of all the suffering or the circumstances that you see surround those things that he wants you to do, just like Mary saw everything that she was supposed to suffer, but still went ahead. And that's the definition of trust. But a lot of the times we find ourselves in those kinds of situations, but we back out just because of the suffering that's ahead. We back out just because of the things that we see surrounding um, our situation. We back out because of what is that person going to say about me if I do this? Or what's that person going to think about me if I do this? And so I think, I think it's important that we, we go back and talk to God and ask God for strength to trust him, for him to teach us to trust him better. Because that's, that's actually the foundation of, of everything, of our work with him. Because the Bible says that um, those who trust in God, he would renew their strength. Those who wait on him, those who rely on him, because trust means you're relying on him. Trusting means you're depending on him absolutely. There's just so much going on in my, in my, in my heart right now. I, I just don't know. It's just, it's just amazing. I just feel fortunate to be here right now to just listen to these words and to just, to just be able to know the things that I need to do next in my life. Because it's just amazing what, 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 how God just brings those, those. It's just amazing. I want to pray. And I'm going to ask this. Do you know Christ? I'm not talking Christmas. I'm not talking about what the holiday's about. I'm talking about this holy day that should change everything about you. Christmas, 365 days a year. The Savior is come, Emmanuel, God is with me. Mary knew. Do you? I'm going to ask you to pray. Father, Mary knew.
Mary knew. That's why she could respond in such a way, this teenage, young, Hebrew, peasant little girl who knew Jesus. And that's why she desired your will more than any dream she ever had. Mary, she knew. God, your will be done. Greater than anything I would want. Any dream that I would ever have. God, I want your dream because it's going to be so amazing. That's why she could pay whatever the cost. I think in Mary's eyes, there was no cost. Just surrender. Because she wholeheartedly knew you would never fail on your promise. God, I pray for those who are listening right now. That, Lord, they would have a posture, a heart, an attitude of surrender to say, God, I repent of my ways. That, God, whatever you ask of me, I'm in. There's no cost, there's just Christ. You've paid the cost. And that, God, I would trust your promises. Lord, when we have that heart, that's what changes everything. And Mary's entire life, boy, how she loved her son, Jesus. She knew he's my savior. I think of that turning the water and wine and the wedding feast when Mary found out that they were out of wine that she quickly said, uh, turn to Jesus, listen to Jesus. She knew. She knew what he could do. What he did for her. Lloyd, to think, the moment she went to that tomb and once again, everything Jesus said, I will rise in three days, Mary knew. God, I pray that would be our heart. I pray that we would surrender. And this Christmas, 2020, perfect vision, that we don't know Christmas anymore. We know Christ, of which Christmas is all about. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.